So, uh, yeah, um, at the beginning of the year, I think, I think we started doing this in January. I talked to you guys and told you that um, kind of throughout this year, throughout uh, as we proceed, you know, I wanted to kind of do a series of sermons, not, not in, obviously not in a row, but I wanted to do a series of sermons throughout the year that kind of focus on, on our Methodist beliefs, some, some things that are very distinctive to the, mes- to the Methodist movement, to the Wesleyan movement, um, things that were either unique to our tradition uh, they may be theological, but most of them are really more practical, how we, put our, how we put our faith into practice. So it may be stuff that may be, you know, very specific or very unique to our tradition, or it may, or it may be stuff that's kind of common, but we also highly, highly tend to emphasize in our tradition. And, and I know we've, we've gone through two of those, two things, I, th- I think so far, maybe three, um, but there's another one that I want to touch on for just a few minutes today. And um, this is basically the idea... Of um, just for a few minutes, we need to understand. And, and if you didn't know this, I, I, I want you to go home grasping this concept and, and really and really living into this. But um, Methodist in the in the in the Methodist movement has always always placed very very high importance on the ministry of the laity. Uh, now, if y'all don't know what that word means, I know that's one of those weird words that we use. And uh, if you don't know what the word laity means, it basically means anybody in the church who isn't clergy. So basically, for today's purposes, if you're not me or if you're not Paula back there, you are the laity. You are, you are the lay people of the church. So it's basically just a, a term for people who are non-clergy. Now, if you ask me, that's kind of been a mistake. That's kind of been a, 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 a hiccup over the centuries in the church is using, is using these titles to separate us. Uh, because what happens is we tend to place more higher emphasis on the clergy, and we tend to focus lower, lower uh, more, less, on the, uh, the importance of the laity, which outnumbers us by what? Well, there's two of us right now. The rest of you are not. So I'm guessing about 98, 99%. The vast majority of the church, what I'm getting at, the vast majority of the church isn't clergy. And this was something the early Methodist movement picked up on. It was one of the reasons that they, that they were able to grow so quickly uh, the, the way that they did. Understand, there is no difference between me and you. Absolutely zero difference between me and you whatsoever. The only difference in my life, the only difference between my life and your life is I had a, I had a calling in my life, and I responded to it. Now, you all have some kind of calling. I don't know what that is. Uh, probably not to be a pastor, unless you've just been sitting on that one for a while. If you have, let me know. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, but everybody in the church has a calling. If you are of the body of Christ, if you have this relationship with Jesus, you've got some kind of calling on your life. And not only that, God has gifted you in some way, shape, or form to be able to fulfill that calling. Um, so you have a big purpose in the church, a big purpose, a huge purpose. Now, what's happened over the years is, is we have we have tend to focus on, on on clergy being being the only person that does anything in the church, being high, being the one that's the most responsible in the church. The clergy is responsible for teaching. Clergy is responsible for preaching. The clergy is responsible for studying, uh, for learning, and, and all that stuff, for serving, for carrying out all these duties of the church. And we've put less emphasis on the, on, the, on the importance of you guys because we're all in this together. We're all in this together, and we all have this same purpose. We talked about what a church was last week, and this kind of ties into that a little bit. How important body of Christ is, how important each and every one of you guys are in the body of Christ and in moving this mission forward and carrying the gospel to the world around us and living the gospel, showing the gospel to the world around us. They got this. They understood this. This was a huge, huge factor 
and them being able to, to, to produce the type of movement that they were able to produce in that time that grew so doggone quickly um, in a short, short amount of time. So what did that kind of look like? I think I've talked to you guys a little bit about this before. So what happened is they, uh, they would, they would, when, when people would come to Christ in, these, in this early Methodist movement, they would be placed essentially in what we refer to today as small groups, right? So they would be placed in these small groups, and these small groups would have a, a leader. They would have a leader uh, to oversee these, these, these Christians, right? And this leader was a non-clergy. It was a layperson, okay? So as these groups grow and grow and grow, you've got more and more non-clergy that are leading these folks. So as the church also continues to grow, there's more method, what they call Methodist societies, which are basically big pockets of, of men and women that were, that were following this movement. We had more Methodist societies than we had ordained clergy to be able to oversee them. So what did we do? In their, in their wisdom, they started commissioning lay preachers. And these lay preachers would go from society to society through basically doing the services of, of the pastor. Big focus. Lay-led ministry. Lay-led ministry. Now, y'all may ask yourselves, where do they get this crazy idea? Where do they get this, this nonsense that the laity has such an important position, such an important purpose in the church? Well, they got it from, from Scripture. Uh, John Wesley said that he was, a, he was, a, he was a, a man of one book, and that book was the Bible. He studied that Bible thoroughly, and he loved that Bible. But they got this from, from Holy Scripture, because Holy Scripture tells us this again and again. One of the most uh, prominent examples that I, that, I can, that I can show you comes out of the book of 1 Peter. And it's just one verse. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I'll, I'll give you some background in just a second, but let me read through it real quick. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter writes, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And this is the word of God for the people of God. So these again are the words of the apostle Peter. And uh, 1 Peter, is ba the entire book of 1 Peter is basically a pastoral letter. Okay, uh, Peter's serving in this, in this pastoral role and he's writing this letter to uh, a number of churches, think of they were house churches then, think of them as local churches now, but they, 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 he was writing this letter to a number of house churches that were uh, located within the Roman province of, at, at the time. And his main purpose for writing this entire letter was to encourage these, these Christians to continue following in the footsteps of Jesus. Continue following the footsteps of Jesus, especially in the face of opposition, because that's what they were dealing with at the time. They were facing a lot of opposition, a lot of real persecution. Um, so it's a, it's a letter, it's a pastoral letter of encouragement. So after he gives uh, some encouraging words and he and he talks a little bit about holy living, Peter uh, comes out with this with this with this statement: that "You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." God's special possession. There's a lot of information in that verse, by the way. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. Now, that's you, guys. For you folks who have been attending our, how to our, our Wednesday night Bible studies, You'll probably pick up on this, what I'm about to say, but notice this letter wasn't written to clergy. <laughs> this letter wasn't written to pastors. This letter was written to multiple churches throughout the Roman province. This letter was written to every man, every woman, and every child, I would suspect, who could at least understand. And Paul or Peter writes these words, you are a royal priesthood. He's writing that letter to us today. He wants y'all to know that. I want y'all to know that. 
You are a royal priesthood, folks. You are commissioned by Jesus Christ himself to be the bearers of the gospel in your conversations, in your lifestyles, in your, I'll say in your, in your behavior, in the way that we live our lives, outside, inside, but also, of course, outside the church walls. You know, this is, this is one doctrine that we share with all Protestant denominations. If y'all, did, if y'all didn't know this, um, there, 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 there's a doctrine that we share with every single Protestant denomination, Methodist, Lutheran, uh, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, every, every, every Protestant church across the board has believed in this one doctrine. That's, that's one thing we actually do have in common. Um, but it's called the priesthood of all believers. It's called the priesthood of all believers. And it's based on this scripture right here, that you are a royal priesthood. We believe that everybody who's received Christ as Lord is called to engage in ministry throughout the world, throughout their communities, and they do it through the local church here, the local body of believers. We're called to partner with each other to take the gospel out into the world. Here's the thing about the priesthood. Uh, if, you don't know, if you don't know Old Testament history a little bit, before Jesus' death, before Jesus' crucifixion, and before Jesus' resurrection, priests were the only ones who could go before God directly because sinful people could not approach a holy God. Peter says all of that has changed because of what Christ has done, because of Christ's death, because of Christ's resurrection. All of that's changed. We don't have to go, we don't have to depend on the priest to do this because we are the priest. We have a direct connection. We have a direct line to God because of what Christ has done for us. And because of that, we also have a calling and we have this responsibility to be gospel bearers out into the world. You guys <laughs> share in that because of what Jesus has done. There's so much information in this verse, so much information that we can take out of, take out of this verse. Uh, we can learn so much about who we are and what our role is in the kingdom of God um, by just, just a few words that are contained in this one little tiny verse. Who are we? Who are we? He says we're a chosen race. What is race? We all know what race is. We're, we're all in this together. This is another sermon all on its own. We are a chosen race. How does it feel to be chosen by God? How does that feel to be chosen to be in God's kingdom by the creator of the universe? We have been chosen. We are his people. We are a royal priesthood. I just talked about that. We are a holy nation. There's another sermon all in, in and of itself. That we'll probably go over at some point. We are a holy nation, and we are God's special possession. That's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. We are God's chosen people, and we are his special possession. Folks, this should encourage us like crazy to be gospel bearers. This should encourage us like crazy. What does it say about why we are those things? If we're a chosen, if we're a royal priesthood, we're a chosen race, holy nation, what about why we are these things? What's our role in all this? So we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I don't know about y'all, but I've been called out of some darkness. We have a responsibility. Really, it even shouldn't even feel like a responsibility. It shouldn't feel like a burden whatsoever. It, feel, it should be something that we are, we are propelled to do, something that we are propelled to be. This shouldn't be a strain on us. This should be something that we, that we can't wait to be a part of. I think that's what they got back in those early Methodist days. This is something they wanted to be a part of. Remember that movement that I talked about, that word that I like using so much lately? Yeah, yeah, they were part of that movement. This pulls me into that movement. I don't know about you guys, but this, this encourages me. This makes me want to be a gospel bearer. 
to the community, to the world around me. After being called out of that darkness, out of being called into his light. You know, this is why that I talk so much. I went back. I don't know why I did this. I think I was searching for something. But I went back and, and, I, and I read the notes from the very first sermon that I preached here at Bemis. And I told you guys at the time that um, if I had to label myself my pastoral um, uh, tendencies, that I consider myself a, a discipleship pastor. And I think that two years later, every one of you guys understand now what I, talk, what I meant when I said that. This is why I focus so much on discipleship and spiritual formation. Discipleship and spiritual formation. What is discipleship? Y'all should know this by heart by now. Discipleship is following Jesus. Discipleship is, is mimic learning, learning from the master. It's learning how to think, how to speak, how to act, how to behave, how to work through life in our relationship with God and another through the lens, through the example of Jesus Christ. It's learning how to imitate, how to emulate him in all that we are and in all that we do. That's what discipleship is. What is spiritual formation? Spiritual formation is the other side of that coin. It's how we get there. It's how we're transformed into that mindset. It's how we're transformed into a different heart, into different desires, into different motives, into different longings, into the mind of Christ through prayer, through scripture study, through receiving communion, which we're about to do here in a minute. All of these methods that we have at our disposal that, that allows God to come in and shape us and mold us and form us into his image as he wants us to be. That's what spiritual formation is, and it leads us into be, to be able to have the desire to be disciples because it's not just for clergy. It's not just for clergy. There ain't nothing superior about me whatsoever, and there is nothing inferior about you just because I have the privilege of standing up behind this pulpit. We are absolutely equal in our calling to be the church to be gospel bearers, to disciple one another, to reach out, to care for those who don't know Christ, to evangelize, to disciple each other. Christianity is not something that we just check off of our checklist, our to-do list. Folks, I hate, I hate that this, is, this has become so doggone common. It drives me up the wall. Christianity is not something that we just add to our checklist of things to do this week. Christianity is everything that we are. It's not what something we do. Of course, it is something we carry out. But it's not just an addition to our already busy and already tangled up schedules and our lifestyles. It is the foundation of our lifestyles. It is the source of our lifestyles. It is the source of everything that we are, everything that we put out into the world. It's not just the job of the clergy. It's the job of the church. What is the church? We talked about that last week. You guys, you guys. That's why we have this scripture here. That's what the scripture tells us. Folks, y'all are the priesthood. Y'all are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out, called out. Think about that called out to represent the creator of the universe. How empowering is that? How humbling is that? Chosen. Y'all pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you God for your word. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, for the privilege it is to
that you sought us out. God, despite our turning away from you, despite all of the uh, all of our sin, despite all of our shortcomings, God, you just you just kept on pursuing us. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. We thank you, God, for the relationship that we've all been drawn into with, with your son, Jesus Christ. God, help us to answer and to accept this calling. Don't let us, don't let us just go through life going through the motions of going to church. God, give us the desire. Pull us, Lord, to, to, to that understanding that this is, a, this, is, this is everything we are. This is, our, this is the way that we think. This is our, everything, that, everything that makes us who we are. It starts with being disciples, being followers of Jesus Christ. Everything else is secondary. Help us to understand that, God. Lord, as we receive Holy Communion together, we're reminded of the great sacrifice uh, through your crucifixion. We're reminded of the miracle, God, during this Easter season of your resurrection. May our minds and our hearts be drawn to focus on that great gift this morning. May our hearts and our minds be drawn to the fact that Christ is truly with us as we receive these sacraments. And may our hearts and our minds be drawn towards unity with our brothers and our sisters. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.